Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Um, we welcome also everybody online who happens to be uh, following along in our worship service today. I believe that probably Chris and uh, Ashley are watching online in Florida as well, so it was a great prayer, and I'm glad that we did that for them. Uh, there are so many reasons for us to be in prayer and be of mutual support to one another. So today we begin a new series called I Wonder, things I'm curious about in the Bible, and we've chosen various topics. We're going to be discussing them today. The topic is what happens when I die. And we're going to be looking uh, from the basis of mostly 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but I'm also going to give you some other references. So on the back of Spread the Word, you have that, that white space. You can write some passages down. In addition to that, product placement, um, there's a booklet available downstairs. Actually, this has uh, just recently been written. About a year ago, I wrote this. Uh, and Lutheran Hour Ministries asked me to write it. It's called What Happens When I Die. What a coincidence. And uh, it's a biblical discussion of the common questions that people have on this subject. Things that I may or may not address today, uh, and certainly much more detail. Good for your study. No one's making any money on this. You know, I'm not going to make money if you buy or don't buy the book. And the bookstore's not going to make any money. Lutheran Hour Ministries. Everybody just does this uh, on a cost basis. We're just, you know, covering our cost. They're only, uh, they're available for a dollar. So uh, this may be a concern to you. Uh, there may be somebody in your life that you know is really struggling with that whole question. Well, you know, they have a hundred questions. That might be a good resource for them as well. I'll just uh, reference that as I begin. But we're going to be looking on the basis of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is called the Great Resurrection chapter. Paul talks about this issue at great length in 1 Corinthians 15. First, he begins to recount all the appearances of Jesus, even some that are not recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, after his resurrection, how he appeared to various people. And then he teaches a theology about what it's like uh, after we die and what heaven is like in this chapter. So it's an excellent chapter for us. You think out of all the questions that people might have about the Christian faith, why start with this one? I mean, isn't it a bit morbid to uh, go to the question, what happens when I die? Is that really where you want to start? But I think based on my experience, based on the nightly news, based on what gets published on the web, based on the way of life, I think it's probably very timely. And based on the evidence, uh, this should be of interest to pretty much everybody in the room because, you know, I'm not a betting man, but I think probably 100% of you are going to die, you know, you know, based on the percentages. I mean, there have only been two people in all the biblical record that did not die, and they were both Old Testament people. Genesis 5 verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God and then was no more, for God took him. So Enoch must have been a special guy, dearly loved by God. God just took him off the face of the earth. And then the second guy that is mentioned in the Bible as not having faced death but gone directly into heaven was Elijah. Elijah was swept up into heaven by a fiery chariot, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And it came about as the two men, Elisha, his understudy, and Elijah, the older prophet, were walking along. Elisha knew that his master was leaving him. His master had told him, and everywhere they went, prophets came up and said to Elisha, do you know your master is about to leave you? He got so annoyed, he said, quit talking about it. And uh, nevertheless, that's what happened. It says, as the two were walking along, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire that separated the two of them, and Elijah was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. So there you have it, two guys out of all the people that ever lived, you know, what are the odds? 
okay, there may be a different scenario that would cause you not to face death. And that is if we are still living when the Lord comes. And the Lord in the Bible has given us some signs of the end times. There will be wars and rumors of wars. Thank God we don't experience that. And there will be disturbances in nature. Thank God that's not a part of our life. You know, it seems to me that the people's hearts will grow cold. Uh, there will be more non-believers than believers in the world. I mean, you know, the signs are all there. And it says when you see those signs coming, think about the trees that put on their buds. It means spring is coming. You too look up for the end draws near. So maybe we will see Christ return. So we may not die, but even if we do not die, we will all have to be changed. My first reference is 1 Corinthians 15, 51. You know, if you're in uh, the Bible in that chapter, and if you're in the uh, U version uh, on the Bible app, you may have to go down to the Bible section. Just click at the end of that reading and say, let me go to the Bible and open up that whole chapter for you. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we will have to be changed. In a moment, in the wink of an eye, at the last trumpet call, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable. We shall all be changed. You know, I've lived long enough to know that my body is not what it used to be. You know, I'm growing older. I have aches and pains that I didn't have when I was a teenager. You know, and, uh, and this body is not meant to last forever. And we see it winding down a bit. We are going to be given a different body in heaven that will be immortal because this body was not intended to live forever. So it's a very good question. What happens when I die? Perhaps the best answer to that question from a Christian I ever read came from Dwight L. Moody. Now, Dwight Moody was an evangelist that crisscrossed the United States after, World, after uh, the Civil War uh, in the 1800s, late 1800s. An incredible preacher. Charles Spurgeon was preaching in England to uh, thousands and thousands of people. You used to have to get a ticket and go to the Metropolitan Opera House to hear him. And Moody even went over to learn from him. And where Moody went from town to town in the United States after the Civil War, they built tabernacles for him. And he conducted one-week, sometimes two-week revivals. They built tabernacles to hold 10,000 people. And, and there were waiting lines outside. So was the interest in this question about the Christian faith. And for good reason. The Civil War had just occurred. Such carnage. Such death. Death had touched almost every family. In the Civil War, a million one hundred thousand people were wounded. Over six hundred thousand actually died. About six percent of the population was touched by a wounded soldier. About three percent of the population was touched by an actual death. So many, many families were touched by death. Even comparison to World War II. Six hundred thousand, more than six hundred thousand died in the Civil War. And think about the population being so much smaller. In World War II, it was 400,000. Think about how that affected our nation, how that affected the world. And yet it wasn't as significant as the Civil War. So uh, spiritual questions were much on the mind of many, many people. And so Moody went across the country to a lot of curious people who were wondering about the topic of death and what happened to the people they loved and what's going to happen to them in death. And he was one time asked, what about you, Moody? What do you believe about death and life after death? And he gave maybe, I think, the best answer I've ever read. I love it. He said, someday you will read in the paper that D.L. Moody of East Norfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. 
I shall have gone up higher, that is, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. I was born in the flesh in 1837. I was born in the spirit in 1856, you know, when he came to faith. That which is born of flesh may die, but that which is born of the spirit will live forever. What a great answer. You know, for a Christian. So let's get started. What happens when we die? Here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to raise some uh, uh, three points that are objectively true about all of us. Three points that are subjectively true that may happen differently in your life than in mine. And and then I'm going to take your questions and answers. We have posted here a a, uh, phone number that you can text your question to on this topic. And then Pastor Garrett is in the back room. uh, and He's secretly going to choose the hardest questions and put them out there for me to to trip over, and uh, he's going to send those out to me. So go ahead and begin to do that now. Here are three objective things that will happen to all of us. First, one of two things are going to happen. You are going to die physically, or you are going to uh, be alive when Christ returns, and you are going to be changed physically. You either die or your body will be changed physically. And you say, well, why? Why is that inevitable? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And all die because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans 6, verse 23. So we're all going to face death because there is no one perfect in the world. Jesus said, you must be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. For this reason, Jesus was born. To give to us, to give to us freely what we could never achieve. That is perfection. And we receive it through the forgiveness of our sins and the declaration of righteousness Because he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. Number two, our bodies and our souls will be separated uh, until the day of judgment. Now, um, you've been to funerals. We conducted two funerals this past week. We had another funeral conducted somewhere else, and the burial was done in our cemetery. And and so it's a very common practice. And uh, as a part of that practice, you've been a part of that, we go to the cemetery and we intern the remains of those who have died. And and I did that as well. And I, I usually make a sign of the cross with sand. Dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return, the Bible says. And, and I do it in the form of a cross because it's, it's a hope of eternal life. And then I, and I bless the remains. And I say, may God the Father who has created this body, may Jesus Christ who has redeemed this body together with the soul, and may the Holy Spirit who has uh, sanctified this body to be a temple for the, the Lord Most High, May God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit keep these remains until the day of the resurrection of all flesh. So at the time of our death, you know, our body is uh, laid to rest. uh, And then our soul goes immediately to be with God in heaven. He told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in heaven, right? Some um, references made to this throughout the scripture, but maybe the most uh, prominent is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you're writing some verses down, that might be a good one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he said, We do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, so that you would not grieve like the rest who have no hope. He didn't say, I don't want you to grieve. You know, when you love somebody and they're no longer in your life, there's grief. But we don't grieve like the rest who have no hope. We have a different expectation for the future. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. He can't bring them with him if they are not with him now. 
So he's going to bring their souls with him, but listen on. For I say to you by the word of the Lord, in other words, not his opinion, I have this on God's authority, that we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. You know, they, we're not going to get a head start if we're alive. They're already with the Lord. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. Isn't that interesting? Paul said trumpet will sound, and now in Thessalonians says trumpet will sound. The Bible is consistent. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Well, if they are with him, how are they going to rise first? Well, their bodies are going to rise, and they're going to be joined again to their spirits. And so we will have an immortal body that can last for eternity, reunited with our soul at the time of Christ's second coming. Some call this the rapture. You know, when we, the graves are open and the bodies come out, and they are joined with uh, God in heaven. Uh, a lot of times when people speak of the rapture, they speak about only the, only the faithful being raised, but the Bible clearly says that all will be raised, and there will be a judgment that day, and the sheep will be on the right, and the goats will be on the left, and there will be a separation that occurs. So this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 speaks about the fact that there will be a reuniting of our souls and our bodies on the day of judgment. So that's number two. Number three, after Declaration Day... And I actually prefer that term uh, uh, as opposed to Judgment Day because Jesus isn't making anything happen to people. He's just declaring the reality. There are people who have aligned themselves with God and there are people who have not aligned themselves with God. It will just be publicly declared that day. It's not going to be God doing anything to anybody except publicly declaring the truth that exists. After Declaration Day, we will spend eternity with God or eternity apart from God based on where we stand with Jesus. This is clearly taught in the most famous chapter of all the Bible, except for Psalm 23 maybe, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's where most people stop. You should read on. Because it says, For God did not send Jesus into the world the first time to judge the world, but that the world would be saved by him. He who believes in him will not be judged. We are going to pass out of judgment because we have the righteousness and the forgiveness of faith in Jesus. He who does not believe has been judged already. There's no thing that God is going to do to you. He's just going to declare the situation as it exists because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light came into the world, but some chose the darkness rather than the light. And so he's just going to declare that on that day. You know, you chose not to be with God. These chose to be with God. The very last uh, verse in this chapter, John 3, verse 36 says, So, the one who believes in the Son of God has eternal life, but the one who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, uh, but the wrath of God abides on him. So separation from God is what they ask. God does not force himself on people. Separation they had in life, separation they will have in eternal life. So those are the three objective things. Now the three subjective things. Some of us will see that day coming. Some of us will not. Some of us know that moment. Some of us will not. You know, my father-in-law could see that day coming. His body slowly wound down, and, and I think he knew that the end was near. But most of us may not know that day. The leading cause of death in America? Heart failure. Heart failure. Leading cause of death. Sometimes that's a gradual weakening of the heart, the enlargement of the heart. The heart grows weak, not able to pump. Uh, life through the body anymore but often it's a heart attack 
that comes suddenly, sometimes when you're very, very active, you know, shoveling snow, be careful of that. You know, so we won't always know. You know, it could happen to any one of us. By cancer, one in six by heart, one in seven by cancer. Cancer's right up there. My dad died of cancer. Uh, he knew that day was coming, got dressed until the very day he died. Then he didn't get dressed, and that was the day he died. By stroke, one in 29 of us, strokes are not usually predictable. They come at the most unpredictable time and can snatch a person uh, from life. By motor vehicle accident, one in 98. And it seems like more than that to me. You know, we do a lot of uh, funerals here after an automobile accident. By suicide, if it's one in 98 by motor vehicle accident one in 109 by suicide that's an alarming number i had no idea it was that high um this is a question let me preempt you on this you know what about suicide do those people automatically go to go to hell you know is that an act of disbelief and and usually in the past that's what uh christian churches taught that's what my pastoral theology book told me you know in fact we were uh, encouraged not to even hold a funeral for people who had died by suicide not give any reassurance i think what is that about you know, people die by all kinds of reasons. They die by a car accident. They die by cancer. They die by a heart attack. Some die by depression. Some die by chemical imbalance. Not every act of suicide is an act of disbelief. So why would we pass judgment on that as though I can know? And even if it were true, how many people come to that service who need to know about Jesus? And just because we conduct a Christian funeral does not mean somebody's saved or not saved. Amen? You know, who are we to know? On the final day, the angels are going to do the separating. Thank God your pastor is not going to put you in one camp or the other. <laughs> Just saying. And by firearm, you know, by the news media, you would think we're all going to die by firearm. But in fact, you have a bigger chance of dying by a high fall, by a fall from a high place than you do by firearm. Unless you happen to be on a ladder when your wife shoots you, and then that, that <laughs> changes things. All right. Uh, another subjective thing, some will face that day in fear, some will face it in confidence. And, and this is true of non-believers. There are some non-believers who face it in confidence, misplaced confidence, but they have no concern about death. They should, but they don't. And there are Christians who have fear of death who ought not to have fear of death. You know, there's no telling, but you should not have, you should not have fear of that death. In, in fact, a, a great example of that, and Peggy Dinky is sitting here today. I had her husband's funeral, Roy. Uh, on Friday. Roy was chairman of the building campaign that built this. Peggy, thank you for your service and thank you for Roy. Now, now Roy was a strong Christian before his family and before me and before the congregation. In, in fact, Roy on the way to the hospital uh, knew that he might not survive and, and he suggested uh, to the paramedics who took him in the ambulance, why don't we stop by Schrader so they can have a before and after picture. You know, so <laughs> he, uh, he was not he was not lacking confidence about his eternal, you know, home. And I, I, I'll always remember that. You know, some face it in confidence. We should face it in confidence. The Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 5, Brethren, you are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you like a thief. God has not destined you for wrath. He's destined you for salvation through your Lord Jesus Christ. You know, so you should be eager for that day. Paul said, I don't know which to choose, to live on or to die. I know to die will be far better, for I will be with Christ. I think some, some of us, most of us, all of us, uh, when we face that moment, we'll say, why did I cling so much to life when this is so much better? And uh, we would want our families to not mourn for us. Certainly there is a loss in their life to not have that person in their presence, but rejoice that the one they love has it so much better. 
So some of us will face it in confidence. I pray that you will. Some will regret the life they lived. And some will be grateful for the privileges that they took advantage of. And this is true of Christians as well. You know, some Christians will die with regret, saying they wish they had done so much more. In fact, let me just reference this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, another great passage for you to write down, beginning at verse 10. Paul said, according to the grace of God given to me, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and now you are building on it. I gave you the Christian faith, now you are building on the faith that I laid for you. Now, Paul doesn't want to take too much credit because the faith comes from God, not from him. He says, no man can lay a foundation other than the one which was laid, which is Christ Jesus. That's the foundation I'm talking about. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, you will have to build with either gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Please choose things that will last. Do things in your life. Build a life that will make a difference, not things that don't make a difference. Have your priorities straight. For each man's work will become evident on the day of their death. For it will be tested by fire. The fire will test the quality of each person's work. If a man's work has been built well, it will remain and you will receive a reward. But if your work is burned up, you will suffer the loss of all that energy. And yet you will be saved, but... Uh, and yet he himself will be saved, although he suffers loss as though through fire. So I pray, you know, Jeff came out and said, you know, uh, you've lived your life well. You've supported Christian causes in your life. Support Christian causes in your death. I'm not suggesting that you would remember us in your will, but there are ways in which you can leave all of your funds to your heirs, and you can still do other things with those resources for Christian causes, whatever they might be. You know, live your wife life well, live your life intentionally is what we constantly teach here. Now let me close this up and get to your questions. The last two verses of this resurrection chapter in chapter 15 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he concludes. You know, I can, I can stare death down because God has given me the victory in Jesus Christ. But then he says, therefore, because that's true in advance, stand firm, don't let anything move you. Now, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, so give yourself to God's work because you know that's the stuff that will last. Well, here's the text uh, uh, phone number that you can text your questions to, and Pastor Dion has a question for me already. Why is it important for our bodies to be joined with our souls for eternity? Does it matter if you're cremated? Somebody asked earlier, and I think it's the same question, why do we need physical bodies in heaven? I, I don't know, but it, you know, God hasn't answered that question. But we will have physical bodies, and our souls and bodies will be joined like unto his mort, immortal body. For this mortal cannot put on immortality unless God grants it. So we know that will be true. We know that even Jesus still has the display of scars in his hand, and, and uh, so he also has a glorious body in heaven. Uh, does it matter if we're cremated? No. Uh, there's nothing in the scripture that... Uh, would uh, discourage cremation. It depends on motive. If, if you have your body cremated in order to avoid judgment and you say, scatter my ashes so no one can find me and the angels won't find me, uh, that you're in for a rude awakening because your, your ashes will be brought back in any case. Uh, during the uh, Crusades, uh, the Turks used to bury Christians upside down so they couldn't see Jesus come and then they wouldn't know to get up. You know, uh, silly, silly stuff. 
You know, people who were buried in sheets back in the day or buried in wood caskets, if you dug them up, you would find nothing but the jewelry. You know, all of our bodies return to the ground, but they will be raised regardless of where we scatter them. Uh, some do that in the mountains. Some do that in the oceans or on the beach. Carol's going to put me in a sand trap, she said. Uh, <laughs> and it really doesn't matter because we're all going to be raised and, and uh, be given immortal bodies. Will I recognize my family in heaven? Will we look the same? Good questions. Uh, I think you will recognize not only your family, you will recognize even people you do not know on earth. Uh, I, I read a sermon by Walter A. Meyer in the 1940s one time, a uh, great Lutheran Hour founder, who uh, on the basis of 1 Corinthians 13 says, Now we know in part, then we shall know in full, even as we are fully known. He, on the basis of that in the transfiguration, when Peter, James, and John even saw Elijah and Moses and immediately recognized them, said in heaven we will recognize all people, even those we didn't know on earth. So that's going to be cool. And it does say in 1 Thessalonians 4, I didn't finish that chapter, but it does say that we will also be reunited with those we love. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, they are neither given nor taken in marriage. So there's not going to be marriage. There's not going to be the same kind of relationships. But we will all know each other. And there will be perfect fellowship, perfect harmony, and perfect love between us uh, in heaven. Uh, will we look the same? You know, I, I don't know uh, what we will look like. It appears... Uh, that those who were in heaven uh, had uh, bodies in the prime of life that were seen uh, later uh, in the scriptures. And most of those incidents of those life after death books, they all describe people who, that weren't as old, that were more vibrant. I don't know what age we'll be in heaven. That's an unanswered question. Uh, you choose your age. Maybe you get to be uh, the age you want for a year. and Maybe you get to change. I don't know. That's pure speculation. A after I die... Can I come back to visit or look in on living family members? No, no, I clearly no. Uh, there's a gulf fixed between earth and heaven and earth and hell and heaven and hell, and you cannot cross over. The, the rich man and Lazarus wanted to come down and warn his brothers that they had better straighten up because he didn't want them to end up where he was. And uh, God says, no, there's a gulf fixed and you cannot cross over. And then he said, somebody else then, send somebody else. And he says, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to them, they would not even listen if somebody came back from the dead. So no, I don't believe that those in heaven can see us and be ashamed of us or be proud of us at this point. We do not assume godly qualities when we die. We are only in one place. We are not in every place. We do not know all things as God knows all things. So uh, no. I don't believe that there is communication back and forth. Uh, if God is loving, how can he send someone to suffer eternity in hell? You know, this is, this is answered in this booklet, and uh, I want to encourage because I don't have enough time. But there's a question on page 33. I've heard of different levels in heaven and perhaps different levels of suffering in hell. Where is that taught? It is taught in the Bible. Although we are either in heaven or in hell based on our Christian faith, we are either with God or not with God. We do know that there were times when they said, can I have the most the position of greatest importance in heaven. And he says it's reserved for those who have suffered the more, most. So the martyrs may be closer to God. I don't care if I'm a doorkeeper in the house of God. I will be with him and my life will be perfectly pleasing. Even if somebody else has greater than honor than me, I'll be glad, like I'm glad for my kids to have greater honor and achieve greater things than me. There will be no jealousy. Uh, it also says uh, in the scripture that uh, it will be better in that day for the cities of Tyre and Sidon than for you. So that it's evident that there is also degrees of suffering in hell. I don't think everyone suffers in the same way. I think they are either with God or not with God. But it also says, here's a reference to uh, uh, Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, that servant knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. 
But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a lighter beating. So it, it, I, I don't believe that everybody suffers the same, and I don't believe everybody experiences the same. Uh, so I, I think there are degrees of hell, and I think there are degrees of heaven. I think that's taught in the Bible. This book had to go through doctrinal review. I expected them to wipe that out, and, and they let it pass. So there you go. It's uh, speculation on my part, but I don't think everybody suffers the same. Will heaven be like an all day at church, and will Pastor Howard be my pastor? <laughs> no, that would be hell. You know, that would, uh, I, no, I don't think it'll be like that. I, I, it, the best description in, in uh, the Bible is say, it, it, it's from Psalm 16. It says, there will be fullness of joy. You know what brings you joy? You've had moments of fullness of joy here on earth. What brings you joy? I don't think it's going to be monotonous. It's not going to be constant singing. And we praise God not only with songs. We say, you know, where we'll praise God forevermore. You praise God by the things you do, by the people you love, by the life that you live. So I don't think it's going to be monotonous as uh, some people paint it as a long day, as an all-day church service. You know, we're not going to do that for a thousand years. Thank you very much. What about unbaptized babies uh, that die or babies born to non-Christian families? Uh, you know, there's, an, there's a story in the Old Testament. Circumcision is called the baptism made without hands in Colossians. And David's uh, child through Bathsheba died before it could be circumcised, before actually the baptism of the Old Testament. And David said, in fact, no one wanted to tell him his child had died because... Uh, they thought he was grieving so much that the child's sickness had been caused by his unfaithfulness that uh, if the child died, he would do some harm to himself. When they told David, your child has died, David got up, cleaned up, uh, sat down for dinner, and, and, and he went on with his life. And they said, wow, this is confusing to us. And David said, as long as the child still suffered, I, I was pleading with God. But now that he has died, I will see him again, but he will not come and be with me. So David had a confidence that that child was going to be in heaven, even though it had died before the circumcision. Uh, even in the stories of Christmas, when Mary goes down to greet Elizabeth, John is in the womb of Elizabeth, leaps for joy just to be in the presence of Jesus, who was also in the womb of Mary. You know, what even happens to babies that are raised in Christian homes, that their parents read the scripture or that they offer prayer? I don't know, but it appears that you can have an influence on a child even in the womb. I think a lot of kids that are raised in Christian homes that, haven't, uh, that don't believe in infant baptism, the Word of God is what gives baptism its power. It's not the water. It's a great gift. I would, everybody should be baptized, children, adults. And if you've not been baptized, please call us. You know, let's get that done. Because there's so much promise attached to it. But children who know Jesus apart from baptism will also be saved. I firmly believe that. If when we die, we go to be with Jesus, judged at that time, then what happens at the second coming of Jesus? Are we judged twice? No, I think that's just a declaration. You know, I, I think our bodies are joined to our spirits. And then there's a, great, uh, there's a great celebration. And it says on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess him. Revelations chapter 1 says, even those who pierced him, even those at crucifixion uh, who were involved with his crucifixion will acknowledge that he is the Lord and he was who he said he would be. So that day is a huge celebration of everyone who has ever lived and an acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord of Lords and God of Gods. And that will be quite a day. Uh, and so it's a great celebration. What about purgatory? Where do we go while we wait for Jesus to return? Well, I, the Bible does not teach purgatory. Uh, purgatory is taught in the Roman Catholic Church primarily. And it comes out of some scriptures that are not acknowledged by the general Christian church. 
when the Bible was formed, when it says these books belong in the Bible, these books do not, there were some books that were spoken against because they could not be proven to have been written by a prophet or an apostle, which was one of the qualifications, and the teachings in them had to agree with all the other teaching. This idea uh, about purgatory is in one of those books that was not accepted even before the time of the Reformation, had not been accepted as canonical. It was called uh, apocryphal, books that have been spoken against, books that had problems with authorship and problems with truth, not aligning with the rest of the truth that we knew to be true. Which sins did not Jesus die for? He died for all sins. You know, he died once for all time. All of our sins are forgiven in Jesus. There is not some sins that he died for and some sins that you have to pay for through penance or through a waiting period so that you can pay off the balance, you know, like your Christmas balance, and then finally receive the present. No, he paid for all sins. I conducted a funeral a while back for a member uh, whose dad was Roman Catholic all of his life. They were members of our church, asked me to conduct the service, and it was mostly Roman Catholic people there. Now, let me just say, Roman Catholic people, I believe, are Christian people. And I believe that they celebrate Jesus' birth. I believe they celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And I believe that they are going to be heaven. Uh, many of my relatives are in the Roman Catholic faith. Some of them probably believe in purgatory. I don't believe most Roman Catholics do. I don't believe even many priests do. Uh, I've heard some of their funeral sermons. I've heard some of their wedding sermons. I don't find that they're teaching more and more, uh, I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone, uh, not by works. But uh, I just believe those people will be surprised, you know. Uh, thinking they're going to have to spend some time in a holding tank, I just don't think that's going to happen. You know, they're going to they're going to come into God's presence and rejoice uh, to be received uh, by faith through Christ, as we all will. So where do we go? Uh, that's it. Dion says I'll cut you off when it's time. So uh, I want to say that the podcast. If you've not heard the six podcast, go to our uh, website, brand new website this year. Go to our website. And Pastor Dion and Ryan conduct kind of a radio program. It's auditory. And on Wednesday, they're going to take some other questions that were asked by the congregation. And they're going to do that live, like a radio talk show, like ESPN or something, when they talk about sports. And they're going to talk about the faith. You'll enjoy it. They're going to talk about more questions. Check in on that on, uh, on Wednesday when they put the podcast out there. And we're going to do that throughout the series. Next week, it'll be another interesting topic. And... Um, I uh, look forward to doing that with you again. Please rise as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper. We do this.